All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I've Said Too Much, the podcast for film nerds, buffs, and geeks. Um, I don't think I said that in the order that it is on the banner, but that's okay. Today's episode is a very, very special episode. We're bringing back Chris Oaks. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. FantasticCrapComics.com. And he's back to talk to us about my favorite film franchise ever. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that this is my favorite movie series ever. And I get a lot of comments and questions like, Ooh, why is that your favorite film series? And there's a new Godzilla movie coming out in Japan in July of 2016. And what we're going to do is we're going to review every single fucking Godzilla movie before this new movie comes out. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And and for that. <laughs> well, you've actually reviewed every Godzilla movie. Not just every Godzilla movie, every related movie. So That's that right. is also Godzilla's not in it, but characters that he interacts with are reviewed that as well. Uh wound up being about 43 movies in total. Every single Toho, that's the studio who makes Godzilla. Uh, Toho Kaiju Aiga, is that how you pronounce that? I don't know how to pronounce anything in Japanese. That actually might uh, rear its head throughout this entire series that we do. (laughs) Our fumbling attempts to pronounce Japanese uh, words. But yeah, I think so. I think it's Kaiju Aiga. Or Aiga or Iga, I don't know. I think it might be Iga. Kaiju Iga. You know what would actually be great is if people that know got angry that we did it wrong. Yes. Then people are, you know, if you, if you got enough people listening to you to piss people off, that is like a real good sign. As long as someone's talking, that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) I would, I would love that. Honestly, if there was a controversy about my ignorance. Yeah. When it comes to Japanese culture and such. Let's really aim for that. I think we can probably accomplish it. Uh. But I need to say one thing. There are, I didn't do every single Toho Kaiju Ega. There are a couple that didn't make it uh, because they just really weren't, they didn't really feel uh, that related. There's like a couple that are borderline sequels to uh, the Mysterians that I didn't do. They've got like a giant walrus in them. I can't remember his name. It might be Gorath. Didn't do oh, that. Yeah, yeah, I know Gorath. Yeah, I thought about doing those. Maybe I should have. Maybe I will now. Also, Degora. It's like these weird like space amoebas that come down. I think they like sort of uh mesh together into a giant space amoeba at the end didn't do that one either probably should have <laughs> so there's a couple that didn't make it but anything that i could justify as being related to godzilla in any way i definitely did yeah you you went above and beyond i encourage everyone to check out the uh the series that you did at fantasticcrapcomics.com um check out his comic and then check out his reviews of godzilla um I tried not to look at them before we recorded this episode today because I didn't want to, you know, get your thoughts in my head, coloring my views and such. Yeah, I'd like to think that uh, that I could plant the root of my beliefs in people's heads like Emperor Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I think actually in the past you and I have, have, have casually referred to me as Emperor Palpatine before. I don't remember which I, that. I'm into that. Okay. I don't remember like, that. But... Well... I'm going to plant that seed in your head now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So what we're doing is uh, in each episode, I'm going to have three Godzilla movies that we look at. And the first three are what we're going to cover today, obviously. Oh, my God. 
Uh, anyways, uh, it starts in 1954, and the first movie is simply called Godzilla or Gojira. And Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about this film? Okay, well, Gojira is an absolute masterpiece. Uh, it's uh, Ishiro uh, Honda. This is the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he directs most of Godzilla's better film. Actually, just most of them in general, as well as a ton of uh, also related Toho uh, kaiju films throughout the years. Um, I would argue that Godzilla is easily far and away the most important post-Dracula monster uh, ever. Because really what a monster is in fiction, usually when they're done well, is a monster is a metaphor for a bigger idea. And what Godzilla represents is uh, basically atomic warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest issue in the 19th century, the, the biggest new issue that was raised was mutually assured destruction. The concept that mankind had now gotten so big for their britches that we could potentially end all life on the globe f- for all of mankind uh, using nuclear weaponry. And that's really the concept Godzilla is designed to address. Uh, and it's done by people who know a thing or two about atomic warfare, mm-hmm. the Japanese. Um Throughout the, the picture, uh, which is borderline German expressionist in its aesthetic, it's just dark blacks, bright whites. Um, there's a lot of footage of Godzilla's rampage through Tokyo that kind of feels maybe a little too close to home. Like you get the feel that this is maybe not that different than what the Japanese may have suffered in World War II. Right. Uh, and it actually, I mean, it, it hits pretty. It's pretty impactful. Additionally. Uh, there are human characters that we actually care about, which is a, uh, something that you're not always going to get in these kaiju films. Definitely. Usually the human characters are, a, are an unfortunate necessity to anchor the narrative, and it's usually pretty difficult to care about them. But this time around, we're able to do so uh, very easily. Uh, so all in all, Gojira is easily one of the most important and best monster movies ever made. Uh, also one of the best... Uh, Japanese films to come out of the 50s which is saying a lot it's a complete masterpiece yeah um, what people don't realize is that Ashiro Honda worked with um, worked with Akira Kurosawa and you know he's he's a master of his craft and this film like you said it's dark as hell um, bright whites and one of the one of the things that really got to me was how the scenes after the rampage were done. I mean, they are very sad, you know, very quiet, very sad. Um, it's not like your typical monster movie where the city just kind of recovers pretty quickly uh, after the monster attack and prepares a counterattack. It's it's very, there's a huge sense of loss. Um, I was also impressed by the fact that they snuck in some references to World War II. Like, on the train, um, one of the people says, I can't believe we're going to have to get back in the bomb shelters again, or the radioactive shelters again. And it, she says it so casually, it's just, like I, like I said, it's almost just sad to hear someone say that casually. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's not... The argument that, that, that's, that Godzilla is a, an attempt to deal with this bigger issue is uh, not really something you have to do a lot of work to convince people. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Usually with, with a monster movie, it's sort of like, you know, what excuse can we drum up to have this monster on screen? But you really know that 
in, in this film at least. Um, that's not the case here. Godzilla is very much a secondary element put in place to address a concept that is huge in the Japanese zeitgeist at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's kind of it's a shame because realistically, I saw this movie the first time in my twenties. Me too. And I had already seen King of the Monsters a thousand times, um, which for for those of you out there who aren't aware, King of the Monsters uh, came out two years later. It's the American version of this film. What happened was the American distributors got their hands on this uh, peerless masterpiece that should be like first in, in line uh, if you're going to dig into monster movie cinema. This like fantastic, wonderfully well-made uh, film and they're like, well, there's no white people in here. Uh, we we can't do that, you know. So they they uh, they trotted out Raymond Burr, Perry Mason. Maybe you've heard of him. Rest in peace. Yeah, and they were like, hey, Raymond Burr, we're gonna just shoehorn a ton of white people into this movie. Will you uh, cooperate? And of course he did. So King of the Monsters is the American re-edit of Godzilla uh, which is basically just Raymond Burr kind of stumbling around. He plays a reporter named Steve Martin and he just kind of stumbles around Japan and uh, that's a great monster movie too. I loved it growing up but in comparison to the real Gojira it's just astounding how badly that movie muffles uh, the impact. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like Raymond Burr is such an insulative element he just sort of softens all of the blow of the story and the and the actual characters from gojira are like barely even mentioned mm-hmm. they're 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 explained to you through raymond burr which just distances you from uh the impact of the film it's sort of like uh if gojira is standing in a rainstorm godzilla king of the monsters is being inside a nice warm cab looking at the rainstorm through the window it's pretty good it's a metaphor I would use. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I also saw King of the Monsters several times uh, as a kid. And I only recently saw, well, relatively recently saw Gojira because they finally released it on DVD in the uh, in the U.S. in 2005, I think, or 2006. The way they portrayed Godzilla himself in this film is just, like, for the time, those were just amazing special effects. Uh, even now, there's only one or two shots where I can go, oh, that looks a little bit silly now. <laughs> uh, like uh, one one puppet that they used for Godzilla. He's open up over the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like Triumph the Comedy Dog in that one. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you mentioned that on the review. I remember that. I sure did. <laughs> um, and then the City Destruction, there was just a puppet that they used for that that I didn't like. But otherwise, one of the most amazing things about this film is that we, as an audience, sort of empathize with Godzilla at the end um, when he's killed by the oxygen destroyer. Um, at least, I don't know if you do, but for me, I feel sad for this creature, you know? I mean, it doesn't know what's going on, and it, it just got woken up by the atomic bomb or um, scarred forever by the atomic bomb, and um, it doesn't seem like a malevolent or evil creature as much as just confused and... Um, you know, unable to live in this new world or something like that. But um, for me, that that final scene of the film is just so emotional. I I feel like crying whenever I watch it. I, I haven't cried while watching it, folks. But I just feel I like think crying. that's clearly the intention. I think that's clearly the intention of the filmmakers because they kind of do the switcheroo on us. Like early on, 
Godzilla is the stand-in for the bomb. But upon discovery of the oxygen destroyer, that basically becomes a metaphor for the atomic bomb at that point. It's this weapon that's so powerful, no one should have it. No one should have access to this because it gives them unrealistic, unreasonable power. So they do the switcheroo on us, and at that point, Godzilla becomes yet another victim of atomic warfare. And just to drive home the tragedy, uh, when the monster is finally destroyed, uh, spoiler alert, I mean, this movie came out in 54, so if you haven't seen it yet... I don't think I'm really going to ruin anybody's day, but um, there's there they couple that with the personal tragedy of our central characters as well. One of them basically sacrifices his life, and it's this big selfless thing, and that's really to drive home that we're supposed to feel sad at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also does this in order to forever destroy the. Um, he's the guy that invented the oxygen destroyer. He commits suicide, one, to get himself out of the way because the woman that he is in an arranged marriage with is in love with somebody else. And then in addition, if he dies, go with him goes the oxygen destroyer. Mm-hmm. So they do a switcheroo on us. Godzilla starts out as the bad guy, and then we realize he's just another victim. It's not his fault. And the movie ends with like this dual tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, a, in another way, uh, gives it a lot more dimension than your average monster movie, which basically ends with, you know, the hero and the heroine, you know, kiss in front of the wreckage and the monster's dead forever and everybody's happy. Exactly. Very much not the case in Gojira. I, I love that I can actually remember the characters' names from this film. Um, for most Godzilla movies, you couldn't pay me to come up with the names of the characters. Uh, because but, who cares? Right. Um, yeah. And I, I can remember Amiko, Sarazawa, um, Ogata, I think his name is, Dr. Yamane. You know, I, I yeah. can remember all these characters, and they're, they're really well done. Um, one of the most interesting parts of the film for me is Dr. I don't, I don't know if it's Yamane. I think I'm saying that wrong, but... I think it's Yamane, but Yamane. I don't know. Okay, sorry, Yamane. Sorry, uh, no. Asian listeners. <laughs> um, that's some more fuel for the fire. Yeah, uh, we don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, for uh, sure. For Asian pronunciation, I'm not so good. Um, but Yamane, um, he thinks that mankind should study Godzilla, and it's an interesting point of view. Um, I guess my only question is, how would they study him without, you know, not doing anything to prevent? his um destroying japan you know it, it's a point of view that the audience kind of respects but also i think most people would agree that they have to do something you know they have to try to stop this creature from coming to japan yeah no and that also further sets up the strain between uh in our little love triangle because uh I don't remember the names of all these characters like you do, but mm-hmm. the the is it Ogata? Is he's the man that's in love with Amiko? Yes. Yeah. See, he wants Godzilla rubbed out because, of course, this is the guy stomping everybody to death. And then Yamane is Amiko's father, so he's a uh, angered at Ogata's attitude, mm-hmm. essentially. So it, it further strains that relationship and adds that personal dynamic because. Really, the, that's the, those are the people this movie's about. It's not really about Godzilla. He's an event that happens that uh, is a catalyst for everything else in the story, but he's not yet the main character. He doesn't really get anthropomorphized to that point until much later in the series. <laughs> um, with mixed results. Right. <laughs> um, mixed but fun results. I mean, cheesy and, and silly though they may be, There's a, they made a lot of those movies, and they made them because people wanted to watch them. Definitely. 
Um, before we go on to that, I would just like to say, I usually like to end the discussion of each film by saying whether it's essential, skip it, or watch this. Uh, and this is obviously essential. It's like Chris has been saying, it's, it's a classic, it's a masterpiece, it's sad, it's exciting. Um, the pacing is, for a film from the 1950s, the pacing is really fast. But for someone who's used to modern blockbusters, the pacing is probably going to feel kind of slow. But just stick with it. Um, and it, it's just a wonderful movie. You know, it's essential. Watch it, please. Yeah, no, absolutely essential. And I would argue that King of the Monsters is a watch this. It's not quite essential, uh, simply because it has been so defanged by distancing us from the characters that are supposed to be the crux of the story. Uh, but it still remains a very, very well done, great monster movie. Yeah, the worst part about King of the Monsters is it's still pretty entertaining and good. <laughs> um, you know, when you when you disrespect someone's work and, and alter it and edit it, you kind of want it to suck. Because um, that shows so much hubris that America did that to a Japanese work because they didn't think um, that Caucasian audiences could empathize with Japanese, with solely Japanese characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's still a good movie. That's the worst yeah. part. Frustratingly not crappy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... After this movie came out, Japan really wanted to make a sequel uh, super fast. And Godzilla Raids Again, or in Japan the title is Gojira's Counterattack, but I'm going to try to stick to the U.S. titles um, if they're not too stupid. Uh, we'll get into that in a future episode. Because some of them make no fucking sense at all. Um, anyways, Godzilla Raids Again comes out seven months after... Gojira. And that's not a lot of time to make a good movie, guys. I don't know if you know that. Um, and it's, uh, it feels to me like an episode in a long-running Godzilla series as opposed to a, a real film or like an event, you know, something that's exciting and new. Um, it's not bad. Um, I, I like a lot of what this film does, especially Godzilla versus Anguirus, or just that character in general. Anguirus, when I was a kid, um, for those of you who don't know, he's a um, quadruped monster um, who's kind of like a rhino, ankylosaur type of combination. Um, he's Godzilla's first enemy. Um, and this is the first movie where Godzilla fights another monster. And um, it's done in a different way than the other films. They didn't slow down the monster action in this movie. And it's it's kind of strange to watch because there's no weight to anything that's happening. Like, like the monsters don't appear to be gigantic or, um, you know, destroying... Or, or sorry, making much noise. They're, the film's very quiet. Um, it's a huge step down from... Godzilla, 1954. Um, but it's not as bad as the fan base would have you believe, I don't think. What did you think of this film, Chris? First, I want to comment, yeah, I don't know what it is about Aguirre's, but um, I think all little kids like him a lot. <laughs> um, my introduction to him was from, I did see Godzilla Raids again when I was a kid, but not first. First, I saw him in the later... Uh, more kid-friendly Godzilla movies where Anguirus had morphed into Godzilla's, like, best bud. Yes. He'd become, like, the solid bro of the kaiju community. He was just, so like... awesome. 
Yeah. For some reason, I think maybe it was because I was uh, coming off that late 80s, early 90s Ninja Turtle craze, and Anguirus appeared quasi-turtle-like to me. His back is somewhat like a shell. So that might have given him an edge. But for some reason, yeah, all kids love this guy. Um, moving on, though, to the movie, yeah, it's it's a cash grab. That's basically what it is. None of the uh, subtext is there. There's no kind of subtext in this movie. This no. is Godzilla franchise has devolved into what the Universal Monster movies were doing decades before. It's just monster versus monster for the sake of spectacle, spectacle to get an audience in a theater. A um, couple things about this movie that uh, are important to point out, I think. It's the first time... Well, it's only the second movie in the franchise, so I guess it doesn't say much, but Ishiro Honda's not on board here. He's not no. directing this movie. This is Motoyoshi Oda, um, and this is, I think, the only Godzilla film he directs. After this, Ishiro Honda comes back and takes over again, and he doesn't let up until the six, like I think the late 60s when Jun Fukada does Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Uh, additionally, this is not uh, the music is not done by Akira Ifukube either. Um, it's a uh, Masaru Sato or Sato again Japanese pronunciation. I don't know. I think it's Sato. and the music in these movies is something that's constantly talked about as being excellent as well, and with good reason. Oh yeah. So we have a completely different creative team on board for this film. So it's not really that surprising that the results are so markedly different. Um, a couple things about the film that I think are great. Uh, again, as you said, it's the debut of the monster versus monster format, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the final confrontation between Godzilla and Anguirus by Osaka Castle is uh, justifiably pretty iconic, and you see that mimicked in several uh, later kaiju films, including one of the Gamera movies where he fights Barugan uh, by a Osaka Castle. It's almost a like shot for shot Xerox at some point in it. Right, right. Um, so, so that's that's all good, um, but really, this is just you know, this is just a uh, cut and dry monster movie. There's nothing special here, really. I think, uh, and it's also worth mentioning that um, America did it again. Uh, they really screwed this one up for the American version. Gigantus the fire monster. Right, which is not even what they wanted to do first. They initially were going to make a whole new movie called The Volcano Monsters. That's right. It didn't work out. So when they kind of kiboshed that project, they just took Godzilla Raids again and just mangled it beyond recognition. They thought the Godzilla character was worthless, so they renamed him Gigantus and changed his, his roar, which for that reason alone, this movie, I think, is kind of detested. I think that's a major reason the fans hate it. Okay. Uh, but then additionally, the American version is so over-narrated, it's basically like an audiobook with like an, a visual accompaniment. The entire movie is over-narrated. That's right. In this irritatingly stereotypical Japanese immigrant voice that's like pretty offensive. <laughs> they also have George Takai is one of the voices on it, which is worth mentioning, I think. Yeah. He's cool. He is cool. He didn't uh, his presence in the movie, I think, is noteworthy. <laughs> but yeah, so the American version of this movie is Gigantus the Fire Monster, and uh, it's the tale of a narrator who just won't ever shut up. <laughs> and it's most—I would say—the American version of this movie. I wouldn't—I wouldn't even recommend it as a watch. It no. I'd say that one's a pass completely. 
I would agree. Um, you know, the video for this, because I rented all my Godzilla movies at first, it, it, the cover said Godzilla Raids Again, but the title card for the movie was Gigantus the Fire Monster. Right. And it was just so annoying to hear someone call him Gigantus, and um, there was some really questionable dialogue in the dub. I did not rewatch that for this episode. Oh, man, no, the dialogue's great. There's, like, right after... Okay, so in this movie... Godzilla is a second monster that is witnessed fighting Anguirus on, like, this iceberg by these pilots. They just, like, are flying over an iceberg. They see these dragons fighting. Actually, I think one of them lands on the island, the iceberg, and, like, goes down and, and witnesses this battle, and he comes back. And, you know, in reality, if two pilots, like, flew back to land, like, yeah, we just landed on an iceberg. There's some dragons fighting. Probably no one would believe them. Uh, but in this movie, the entire scientific community is so eager to believe these guys. And they go into – there's like this big like science, scientific expo where they talk all about the Gigantus fire monster. Like they know all about it already. Like all these things that it can do and how invincible it is and how it's going to destroy the world. And it's like this is all based on the fact that some pilot told you he just saw this on an island. And you guys already think you know A to Z about the Gigantus fire monster. And it, it's – it's actually pretty funny, but also really, really terrible. Yeah. As far as, like, the actual merit of the film goes. Yeah, I think at one point some guy says, uh, banana oil. Like, I don't remember why he said it, but I think it was an exclamation of, you know, bullshit. Mm-hmm. Banana oil! Yeah, oh, banana yeah. oil. Like, they didn't believe it or something. Um, but anyways, uh, <laughs> we, got a, we got a little off track uh, with George Takai. Uh, oh, my. But uh, anyways, Godzilla's suit in this movie, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. He looks like a complete idiot. I, I don't know, some fans like it because of the fangs, but for me, he just looks stupid. And I don't know, I'd, I'd give this film a watch it. Um, one thing is, is that some people might think this was a stupid decision by Toho to make a sequel uh, to Godzilla, and it kind of cheapens that, film, that film's message. But... Um, I really like the fact that this is a different Godzilla than the one that attacked Japan. You know, they mentioned it, that um, this is a different creature from that same genus, as it were. Um, and I think that sort of takes the sting out a little bit. Um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't erase, like retroactively erase the death of the original creature or the rampage. Right. So that's important, I think. I would agree with that. And it gives a loose continuity, very loose, mind you, so loose, <laughs> but a loose continuity um, to the following films in the Showa series. The Godzilla series is split into three series, Showa, Hisei, I think it's Hisei, but I'm not sure, and um, Millennium. And the Showa series is definitely my favorite because there's a little continuity here or there. It's nothing too crazy, but... Um, in this film, Godzilla is buried in ice. You know, he's in a giant iceberg. Um, and then in King Kong versus Godzilla, he's still in that iceberg. I mean, you could say it's the same one. I don't know. That's what I mean by loose continuity. Anyways, Chris, what did you think of this film? Would you give it a watch it, skip it, or an essential? Uh, for Godzilla Rage Again, watch it. For Gigantus, the fire monster, skip it. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not something I would say skip it to. I, I like a lot of what the movie's doing. I was a little unduly harsh on it, I think. But uh, 
The next film has been discussed ad nauseum by Godzilla fans and non-Godzilla fans alike. Uh, I think a lot of people say they like this movie, but really they haven't even seen it. This film is entitled King Kong vs. Godzilla, and it came out in 1962. Um, Toho took a long break from Godzilla. They, they realized that, okay, maybe this isn't a profitable venture. Maybe we shouldn't make a lot of movies with this character. Because um, Godzilla Raids, again, didn't do that great. It was pretty okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't like gangbusters at the box office for whatever reason. So they took a little while, and then this movie started out not as a Godzilla movie, but as King Kong versus Frankenstein. And uh, over time, it morphed into something called King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, and it ended up being the most profitable Godzilla film of all time, I believe. Obviously, the most popular one. Um, and I have always hated this movie. <laughs> I've always hated it. Like, like as a little kid, I hated it for different reasons. Right. Um, but I, as a kid, I hated it because... Because Godzilla loses. Well, I don't even think he loses, but... He, the, he, that's why I hated it. Well, the amount of handicaps they gave him that he didn't have before, and the amount of artificial, you know, poorly written in boosts that King Kong gets. That's just infuriating for little kid me. And clearly it I is. still have issues with it now. <laughs> At the time God King Kong was a big draw in Japan. He mm-hmm. really was. And so it seemed natural to kind of make him the character these people would root for, especially since Godzilla had been the bad guy. But for Amer- most like, you know, Western kids and American kids especially, I, I would guess. I'm kinda uh assuming that. But um King Kong kind of wasn't a character you cared a lot about. And you didn't watch King Kong versus Godzilla to watch King Kong. You watch King Kong versus Godzilla because you love Godzilla movies. Exactly. Uh, so it was... So can I kind of, like, sh- spiel on what this movie's about real quick so that... Yeah, definitely. Okay, so basically what King Kong versus Godzilla is, is they discover these berries that get you high... And immediately everyone wants these berries. And the berries are on an island where God, where King Kong lives. Uh, meanwhile, Godzilla breaks out of the iceberg prison from the previous movie and starts stomping around Japan. Uh, people go to the magical psychedelic berry island, capture King Kong, just because why not, and bring him back to Japan. And uh, the two end up fighting. Basically, King Kong uh, loves the berries, eats them constantly, because uh, he's addicted to them. And because King Kong has substance abuse issues, he's controllable. Because the Japanese people, anytime they, they want King Kong to fall asleep, they just get him super high on berries and he falls out. He just passes out. And then they can just kind of like drag him over to where Godzilla is, wait for him to wake up in the two fights. So King Kong becomes our default good guy. And that's basically the movie. Uh, it really is. That's what it comes down to. King Kong is a drug addict uh, who we coerce and manipulate into defending Japan from Godzilla. <laughs> right. And that's the movie. It also has a giant octopus in it that's kind of cool because it's a real octopus. Oh, yeah, that's cool. So it's King Kong, a guy in a King Kong suit fighting a real octopus, and it has a bunch of Japanese people in blackface, which is, like, really strange. Very questionable decision. Right. Uh, also, the King... I, I, Okay, you mentioned Godzilla's suit in the previous movie, Looking Dumb. I hate the way King Kong and Godzilla look in this movie. King Kong looks like fucking shit. Oh, my fucking God. He looks horrible. He looks just terrible. 
Uh, half the time his arms are long, like elongated, like a monkey's, and the other time they're not. Uh, Godzilla has a face that looks more dinosauric, uh, and to me, worse. Um, this this is the this was at least I don't know maybe the most recent uh, Gareth Edwards movie topped it, but for a long time this was the most successful Godzilla movie ever. Um, it was a movie that I'd read about before I saw it when I was a little kid because I found this Godzilla book at the library. Yes. Um, but I had not gotten to see it for a long time. I remember reading about it, and actually, there's a myth about this movie that was very popular, and I read it in that book that there were two endings: um, one where Godzilla wins, and one where King Kong wins. And it was apparently that was generated because, uh, like the previous two, there is a Japanese cut of this movie and an American cut. Uh, so people, for some reason, I guess, assumed that in the American cut, the outcome was different than it was in the Japanese cut, which isn't the case. But it's a very common myth that a lot of people um, did believe up until I don't know how long ago. Yeah. And I believed it in that book when I was younger. Right. Um, um, that author just made that up, you know. That's, did he? Yeah, that's where that's from is just that book. I think his name's Ian Thorne, but I could be wrong. Oh, they uh, got this guy. <laughs> they got him. They traced the the lie back to him. Yeah, um, I don't know why I made it up, but it's an interesting story. And that book came out in like the seventies, so there was no way for anyone to disprove him. You know, they kind of just believed him. I definitely believed it because I was a child reading a book. Yeah, as a kid, you say, "Oh, that sounds awesome! I want to see the Japanese cut." Um, right. And then it's not true. Yeah. In both versions, this, the flea-ridden um, alcoholic King Kong beats Godzilla. Right. Spoiler alert. And then he hops in the water and swims back home. Ugh. God yeah. damn it. Um, it's, yeah, it's not very good. The biggest differences between the American and the Japanese version, which I have now seen both, is the American version has like a lot of news-like footage <laughs> that involves like this, this outer space like satellite base that we have now where we like have our news people hang out and Mm -hmm. that's really what it comes down to it's like global news and like covering the the berries and the monsters and everything it's kind of a puzzling addition but they just really needed to get some caucasians in there i guess yeah um can i just say one of the best lines in the whole at least when it comes to shitty english dub lines um one of the best lines they've ever done is now, Godzilla has a brain about this size. <laughs> and then they show this tiny marble. Um, now, King Kong has a brain ten times the size of this skull. You know, um, So they really wanted us to think that Godzilla was a complete idiot. Uh, when actually, in the whole movie, he's smarter than King Kong. He tricks him several times. Uh, he uses <laughs> his tail to um, cause King Kong to smash his head in the rocks. Um and there's some other times where he's mocking King Kong and but yeah I, I there's this weird satire in uh in the Japanese version of the film where they're sort of making fun of the fact that people were treating this like a wrestling match um it's chuckle worthy and I, I respect them for doing it but at the same time they try to play the monster scenes serious and there's just there's no stakes in this film like None of it has any dramatic flair whatsoever. It's just, just stuff happens, you know. the The fights just kind of happen and then end, and then happen again and end. And 
they have to have King Kong pick up a lady at least once because he's King Kong. That's what he does. Right. He's into tiny chicks. He picks up a tiny, pretty lady. Yeah. And, uh, you know, burps on them and then sets them down. Or, sorry, he, he drinks the berry juice that he's addicted to and then he uh, sets her down. Right. Yeah. I think the American version is plenty silly, too. Like, realistically, yeah, the Japanese version does does kind of play up that sat- satiric uh, commentary on, like, viewing this this clash like like a wrestling match. But even the the American version, uh, this thing is straight silly in a way that is completely absent from the previous two films. Right. So it's like um, there's like the money-hungry, bumbling uh, rich guy that captures King Kong, and his antics are like abbott and costello-esque in their in their clownsmanship it's it's just uh this is a, a weird goofy movie where despite the fact that honda's back ishiro honda is back in the director's chair for this weirdly enough and our uh composer eve kubay's back too um you can tell that they're not really handling this movie seriously at all no, no. It, th- this is supposed to be uh just a fun movie um and there is absolutely no emotional weight to anything um it's just, it's just two monsters that fight, and King Kong does a bunch of drugs, and that's about it. Um, and then, spoiler alert, King Kong gets a lightning power-up for some reason. And in this movie, for some reason, Godzilla's scared of electricity or something, or it's his weakness or something, when in the first two films he's got no problem with electricity or tearing down electrical lines. But anyway, it's just stupid, and uh, I hate it. Uh yeah, they- 180 on that yeah they totally 180 on it it's like all of a sudden king kong is like fueled by electricity and godzilla it's his weakness for no reason (sighs) this is the godzilla movie that probably made more young young kids angry than any other (laughs) um yeah that's true right right i mean i can't imagine king kong fans liking this film though either because it their portrayal of King Kong is, like, offensive to the, quote, legend of King Kong. Um, like I said, he's a fat, bumbling moron, and he wins by luck, you know, sheer luck that he can absorb lightning and hurt Godzilla with it. Um, so I don't know. I think they just pissed off Godzilla fans, and then King Kong fans are not really into the film either, so... I don't even really know that there's such a thing as a King Kong fan anymore. Like, I think his, his t- Day in the Sun is kind of come and gone. Like, realistically, he was a draw then, but it's been a long time since all that many people cared about King Kong, really. Don't worry, because Kong vs. Godzilla is coming out in 2020. Yeah, I don't know if that's really going to do it, man. If the Peter Jackson movie didn't reignite the flames... I mean, I think he's a a special character. That original RKO picture is a great movie. King Kong is a special character. There's, There's something there, but I think the the best thing we could have done to King Kong as a concept was just leave it with that original picture. I think that over time, he wears on audiences a lot faster than Godzilla does, and he doesn't really adapt well to later uh, films, except for I do love King Kong Escapes, which is the Toho follow-up to this movie. Oh, yeah. I still need to see that. You need to. That movie's fantastic. But... Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, you're right. Does no one any favors. Doesn't really help uh, G- King Kong's case. Certainly doesn't help Godzilla's case. Um, it is. It's very frustrating that this movie was as successful as it was, uh, because in any other way, 
it would be viewed as a failure. Financially, it was a success, but um, beyond that, it's really hard to talk to people who aren't pretty angry about this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never. It's hard to find those people. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to rate this a skip it. Uh, I'm sure if Godzilla fans are listening to this, they're like, oh, come on. But for me, this is the first skip it of the series. I, I don't really like it. I respect that there's a lot of humor in it, and there's some clever moments with the, the businessman is played very well. I don't know who the actor is, but he's played very well. He's funny um, and annoying as he's supposed to be. But I don't know. This film's just never done it for me. Um, one thing that always angered me when I was younger also, why is the final battle between Godzilla and King Kong in like a rock quarry? Like, wouldn't it make more sense for these two monsters that are well known for like smashing cities to battle in a city? Plus, like, wouldn't the dramatic element like be so much more elevated if there was anything at stake other than just like what happens when, you know, if King Kong loses and Godzilla like marches into the city? Like, I felt like it would be so much it would be so much better if they were fighting in a populated area like they usually are. Yeah, that's true. The third they're just, they're just out in the country. Who cares? Yeah. That's an obvious mistake. Yeah, that third act just sucks. Ugh. I, As do the first and second. <laughs> However, I'm going to say it's a watch this for a couple reasons. One, it's relevant it does suck, but it's pretty It's pretty relevant. It was an incredibly successful movie. It's the first Godzilla film in color. Um, and because this really was, like, the most important, like, monster movie crossover ever at this point. Um, so I, I, say, I say it's a watch it, but go into it knowing. And also, I think it's funny that King Kong is just a big, frumpy drug addict. Um, it is funny. It's funny. Um... So yeah, I say watch it. Okay. It's uh, not a skip it for me. It sucks, but it's not a skip it. Okay. Um, I will say it will probably be better than the 2020 version that's going to come out. Um, because the new Godzilla is 110 meters, I think. Um, so they're going to have to give Kong some substantial cheats. A, a cheat code again. Well, they make him, they'll make him just as big. Yeah. That's the thing. King Kong was never as big as he is in King Kong versus Godzilla. You know, I, I, I'm guessing the RKO, I don't know. I guess he's 20 feet tall. Right. You know, he, he's, he's a little munchkin next to Godzilla, but they, they stretched him out for that movie. They'll do the same thing this time. And I just don't think he works when he's that big. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit right. No, it doesn't. It's, he's a totally different kind of monster than the, uh, the Toho creations. And that's that's what makes him great is he's you know he's just a big ape, um, yeah. But anyways, um, yeah. Everyone was like, Michael, are you excited for the new Godzilla versus King Kong uh, movie? And instead of being a thoughtful person and being thankful that people were talking to me, I was just like, <sighs> just heavy sigh. Uh, but that's that is how I, that's how I felt about Krampus, man. I know. I know. People just don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand the plight of the nerd that takes Godzilla films way too seriously. No. And Krampus it, films. Yeah, man. Too seriously. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I've said too much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. Um, had a great time and uh, always uh, appreciate having me on. 
I'm going to give a quick shout out to my friend Murph, who has been listening to every episode, I think. Uh, Murph, you rock. Even when the episode isn't about a movie you've seen, you've still checked it out. We love you on I've Said Too Much. Chris loves you. I do. From the bottom of my heart. Thanks to listeners like you that I'm rich. And he is. I'm so rich. Yeah. Rich rich in the love of my friends and fans. Uh, Anyways, guys, the next episode is going to be probably about something other than Godzilla, and then we'll be back. We're going to do this every other week, um, a different selection of Godzilla films. So, hey, check it out. And we're going to get it done right before the new movie comes out. Woo! Thanks, everybody. Have a fantastic week. Uh, We'll see you again really soon. Goodbye.